welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If you would, please. Thank you again, Lou. Appreciate that. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to continue talking about something. I did not know this would go past one message, but it's turning into a series. So we're going to go back to a series entitled Messing Up the Devil's Plans. I don't know if you realize or not, but we can throw a wrench into his works. We can actually unravel his plans before we even mentally know what he's up to by praying in tongues wonderful thing about praying in tongues is you can mess up the devil's plans and not even know that he had a plan to raid against you and with the help of the Holy Spirit you just totally mess things up by praying in tongues throughout the days I was driving down the road a few years ago listening to Christian radio and the thought came to me son what you're doing right now is good but it's not the most powerful thing you can be doing see I don't just ask anymore is it good only I ask, is it good, and is it the most powerful thing I could be doing as I'm redeeming the time in these evil days? The Lord said, there's something more powerful you could be doing. And one time he told me, start quoting scriptures over your life and start speaking the words so your angels can do more for you. Psalm 103. And then one time I was driving down the road listening to Christian music. You know, good, fine. But the Lord said, there's something more powerful you could be doing right now than just being soothed, you know, with, with Christian radio. He said, you could be praying in tongues. And so I'm, I'm looking to the, nothing wrong with listening to Christian radio. It's fine. It's great. But we really want to watch out. We only have so much time. You, you can't get any more time back. That's one thing we need to really be a good steward. You can get more money, but you can never get more time. So we need to be really good stewards of our time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And some of the best use of our time is praying in tongues and quoting scriptures. And so we're talking about messing up the devil's plans. You know, some people are concerned that the devil is going to mess with their life or mess them up. But you know what? We need to turn that around. He better, he better watch out when we're around. Not we better watch out if he's around. He better watch out when we're around. I mean, who, who should be the one scared? Who, who should be the one on guard? Well, not, we have the greater one. He should be concerned about us being around. We have the name that's above every name. We have authority and power over all demon forces. We shouldn't be, oh, I hope the devil's not here. He should be going, oh, I hope Faith High Church is not here. I hope somebody that goes to Faith High Church isn't here. Because that's really, we're the ones. We got the power. And so we're going to talk some more about messing up the devil's plans. Turn to Ephesians 6, just a tiny bit of review. The first week, three weeks ago, or actually three Wednesday ago since I've been teaching this, we talked about uh, messing up the devil's plans, and we talked about dealing with the unseen and making sure our warfare is accurate and, and, and precise as opposed to just you know, putting forth energy and time and, and effort into certain areas that really isn't spiritual warfare. And I wanted to bring that out. When we're talking about messing up the devil's plans, we're talking about dealing with invisible forces. A lot of times we think people are our problem. And a lot of times we deal with the people only. 
And we don't see much results because there's things behind the scene that's motivating the people. And that even if you get some temporary relief, if those forces behind the scenes aren't dealt with, then, you know, there's still going to be problems later. Um, so look here in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Most of us know this, but I want, I want to make this clear before we move on that people are not our problem. Maybe most of our efforts should be uh, focused somewhere else than on your next door neighbor who dog, whose dog barks all night long. <clears throat> in verse 12 it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he's talking about spiritual powers that we wrestle against. I remember talking to a friend of mine who was Jehovah Witness. He's in heaven now, sadly. He died very young. An uh, old musician friend of mine, a drummer. And um, he, I was talking to him one time as he was working down here at Kmart in the automotive section about this. And he, Jehovah Witnesses believe that our enemy is natural principalities and powers and government authorities. At least he did. And I said, well, I said, well, I called his name. I said, no. I said, um, the, the scripture says that these principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world are spiritual forces, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so he, was, he went, oh, I never saw that before. And so it was really kind of cool. The Lord gave me that answer because, and um, they, also, they also believe that the earth is, um, um, what was it? Um, anyway. Uh, something about 6,000 6, years old or six days or... Anyway. No. Well, never mind. That's a whole other subject. subject. I mean, we're burning time here. We need to get back to the thing. So, he says he, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So what does that tell you right there? People aren't your real problem. People aren't the core of the problems that are on this planet. Every one of us, everybody on this planet is influenced by that spirit realm either by God and the Holy Spirit or by demons and, and demon spirits. We're all influenced. And, and what this series is all about is making us more aware of subtle, tricky, hard to pinpoint maneuvers of the devil against our lives that we didn't even know we were being messed with in those areas. See, the devil doesn't always come with fear. He doesn't always come with bombs. Sometimes he comes with really little subtle things just to get you a little off track. And the more we understand the truth in these areas, the more free we're going to be in these areas. So, I wanted you to see that people are not our problem. And um, I want you to turn now to Ezekiel 28. Let's read some more of this. This is, again, a passage talking about Lucifer uh, before he fell and after he fell. It gives us a great insight of the, of the devil's origin because the devil has, was not always the devil. He decided to rebel one day with no temptation. And that's why there's no redemption for him. He wasn't tempted. He did it within his own heart. He wanted to do it, and he hasn't, doesn't want to reverse it. He never will. He'll, his destiny is lake of fire. But here in Ezekiel 28, um, <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 28. This is going to be good tonight. I got some things here that I believe the Lord really wants us to hear, and it's going to help us greatly. So look at Ezekiel 28, <clears throat> verse 12. You'll see in just a minute here that he's talking about the devil. It says, Son of man, talking to Ezekiel, God said, Son of man, Ezekiel, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, 
Thus says the Lord God. Now this king of Tyrus is a, is a wicked spirit. It's the devil. He said, Thus says the Lord, You seal up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Well, no natural man at this time could live, live long enough to be in the garden of Eden. This is talking about the devil. And later in this a chapter, it talks about him being a cherub. That's a class of angel. Cherubim, seraphim, archangel, right? There's different kinds of rank in the, in the angelic realm. So he's talking about the devil. You need to know that because I want you to see what he's like. All right, this is going to totally mess up Hollywood movies. Okay, this is going to totally mess up the scary boogeyman, Godzilla, fangs, pointed tail, pitchfork, growling, drooling, grrr. All right. We need to know what the devil's really like so we know what to resist. And here's a newsflash. If believers haven't been resisting much, devil's getting away with some things in their life. They're just not recognizing his maneuvers and therefore they're not resisting because they don't, they don't identify it. I think the devil has a lot of people stuck in okay. Well, Jesus didn't come to redeem us to okay. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You have to watch out about subtle warfare. That ke ke Some things the enemy doesn't mind if they don't happen overnight. He'll work on people for years just to get them off course and to make sure their destiny isn't what God wanted it to be. He knows if he comes too fast, you'll recognize it. If he comes too strong, you'll recognize it. He's not the most powerful beast of the field. He's the most subtle. And we're talking so subtle, we are zero. We are absolutely no intellectual match for the devil. Let me tell you one, one main reason why. He's been around a lot longer than you. He understands human beings a lot more than you understand. He understands, he, we know he's been around for at least 6,000 years, probably a lot longer than that. But he understands humankind. He understands man, man's desires. He knows how man reacts to certain things. The devil has got us beat by thousands of years in this thing called existence. So we are zero intellectual match for him. But if you have the greater one in you, the greater one's been around longer than him. Huh? And if you look to the greater one, he's no match for you. But if you try to just reason your way through things and figure things out with your brain and, and kind of like intellectually try to fight certain things, you'll never make it. He'll have you tied up, spinned around, flip-flop, <laughs> left and right. I mean, he will, he will zing you and zow you with his corrupted wisdom to where you are just like, whoa. But the greater one, the Word of God, right? He's in you. And God's been around forever. <laughs> right? Don't try to comprehend that now. But he, there's no beginning. He, and the devil's a created being. Devil's been around a lot longer than us, but God, the greater one in us, has been around a lot longer than the devil. And you need to watch out about Hollywood movies. I just, you know, I don't, I don't like it when I see Hollywood portraying the devil as some equal opposite of God. The devil is an angel who fell severely. Takes one angel to bind him with a chain and throw him in a bottomless pit. And then when you see him, oh, there's coming a day we're going to see the devil as he really is. And we're going to go, what? This is the man that made the earth to quake and shook kingdoms? And God said, yeah, you'll be a terror and never shall you be ever again. 
But look here, it says here, you've been at uh, verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, say unto him, unto Lucifer, thus says the Lord God, you seal up the sum. This is some dude. <laughs> Full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Doesn't sound like a monster to me. Sounds like a very attractive personality. So here's the question. What are people waiting for before they start resisting? Sometimes you have to resist stuff that sounds like amazing wisdom, but it's not in line with Scripture. Sometimes you've got to resist stuff that's really attractive, whether it's a person or an idea. Are you following me? Sometimes you have to resist these things because, see, this is the devil. If it's beautiful, but against Scripture, what should you do? Hit it with the Word of God and resist it. What if it sounds amazing and it appeals to your soul and it, it stirs up your emotions and it's philosophy like you've never heard, but it goes against Scripture? What should you do? Say, uh-uh, get out. I don't accept you. Are you following? What if it's beautiful? What if it's like, that's gotta be good, but it goes against scripture. What should you do? You walk away. You say, not for me. See, a lot of people aren't resisting because they're waiting for a monster. A lot of people aren't in the resisting mode because they're waiting for fear. And he does. The devil does at times come in fear, but he comes in a lot other ways too. Are you following me? I mean, I am... Um, We've seen a few things in the last 34 years pastoring this church. And the devil is very charismatic. When I say that in a negative sense, because God gifted him. And these gifts he still has. It's just he's corrupted them. He uses them for evil. And one of the reasons a lot of people like the devil. Now, they wouldn't say that because they don't know what's going on, but one of the reasons people go the devil's way is because the devil promotes you getting your way. I mean, he will, he will enforce almost like a law that, you know, you have a right to this and, and, and you can do it your way. It, the devil loves helping people to just adamantly claim their way. But you know what I found? The more you grow in God, the less it's about what you want and the more it's about what He wants. So read on here a little bit. It said in verse 13, now notice, perfect in wisdom, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your, every precious stone, doesn't even say was in the kingdom. Every precious stone, your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. And the workmanship of your tabrets and of your pipes was prepared in you in the day you were created. And we talked a little bit about how the devil influences the music today a lot because he has musical talent. You are the anointed cherub that covers. See, there he's an angel. I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire, perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the multitude of your merchandise, they fill the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I'll cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. I'll destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart 
was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. Look at these words to describe the devil. Bright. Right? Transformed himself into what? An angel of light. Bright. Wise. Beautiful. Talented. He says, um, I'll cast you to the ground. I'll lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, will I bring forth a fire from the midst of you. It will devour you. I'll bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. All they that know you among the people shall be astonished at you, and, shall be a, and you shall be a terror, and never shall you be any more. So that doesn't sound like a dragon to me. It doesn't sound like a beast that you would just, ah! Sometimes I, I think it would be good just to paint this picture of this really amazing, beautiful person. And just say, you know what? That could be the devil. <laughs> I'm just giving you an image. I'm not talking about a person. This is an angel. This is a, this is a fallen being. But I'd like you now to go to 2 Corinthians and I want to say this to you because our eyes are being opened during these messages to, to be a little more on guard for some of his sly, subtle tricks and, and to be realizing that he's not going to come always through the fear route. I mean, I'll tell you what, the devil at times, he'll, he'll try to be your best bud. I mean, he tried to be Jesus' best bud. Jesus, see all these kingdoms of the world, the glory of them? Man, I'll, I'll, I'll give them to you, man. I'll, I'll let this be partners here. Well, here's the thing. Satan is not ugly. Satan is not ugly. So don't be looking for ugly before you start resisting. Satan is not ugly. How are you going to know what's the devil? Well, you're not going to know what's the devil by, you know, beauty or, excuse me, or ugliness. You're going to know what's God and what's the devil by the Bible. That's why this book is the most important book on this planet. One main reason is because you're going to know what's God, you know what's the devil. You know what to yield to, you're going to know what to resist. And here's another thing. Thinking Satan is ugly is diversionary warfare. If the devil can get you to think that he's only in the ugly, he's only in the grotesque, he's only in the obvious, then you will miss him 50 plus percent of the time. The scripture we just read is anything but ugly. The guy is decked out. Now, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're just about done reviewing here. <laughs> Sorry. 2 Corinthians 11. And verse 14. We'll just jump right into verse 14. Paul says, And no marvel, for Satan himself changes himself into an angel of light. Um, <clears throat> I want to kind of connect this with atmosphere. 
because sometimes we sense certain things, we feel certain things, and because of growing up in a world that follows feelings and follows sensations and follows emotions, we have to watch out because everything that's bright is not right. Everything that's bright is not right. Everything that's spiritual is not God. Obviously, evil spirits, spiritual wickedness, right? Everything that's spiritual is not God. <clears throat> you know, even in the area of familiar spirits, the Bible talks about familiar spirits. And a lot of times, <clears throat> these familiar spirits are given uh, opportunity by people, you know, veering off into the occult and witchcraft and things like that. Um, people will give place to these spirits, and these spirits were familiar with certain people's ancestors. And as these spirits manifest and start saying things or imitating these people who used to be alive, these people think that they heard from their loved ones. And they didn't hear from their loved ones. They heard from a familiar spirit who knew these people before they died. <clears throat> well, you, you want to rebuke all... You want to stay away from Ouija boards? You want to stay away from the occult? You want to stay away from astrology? I didn't say astronomy. You want to stay away from astrology? You want to stay away from tarot cards? You want to stay away from crystal balls? Right? You want to stay away from witchcraft? Yes, 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 yes. For one main reason. You don't want to open the door to anything that's demonic. That's right. You just got extra problems on your hand. Are you following me? It's just the grace of God that some people have been protected because they're dabbling in these areas of occult. Um, somebody's just praying for them or something so that the enemy can't get in there. But we Christians have no business with any of that stuff. Why would you need a crystal ball when the Holy Spirit will show you things to come? Right? Spirit of God. And why would you need anything of the occult when you have the nine gifts of the Spirit and your reach? Knowing the future, right? Miracles, discerning of spirits, seeing in the realm of spirit. Why would you need astral travel when you could be translated like Philip? Moving right along. So he's transformed himself into an angel of light. So what should we be on guard for? And what should we be ready to resist? Some bright things. Some feel-good things. Hmm? What should we be on guard for? Anything that's against the scriptures. You know, I, um, we, we share these things now and then because we love people. We, we don't share them because we came up with it. We don't share it because we, you know, thought it up in our own mind. We share it because it's in the Bible. Um, just one area that, that's, you know, some controversy and you know I've seen a lot of this you know creep into the church and it's it's not the unpardonable sin you can get out of it and get free and you know God loves you and but it, it's this living together before you're married why do people do that why do Christians do that I'll tell you why it seems right nobody would go down a wrong road if it felt like a wrong road <laughs> let me say that again nobody would go down a wrong road if it felt like a wrong road well, Pastor, we love each other. No, you don't. If you love each other, you do what the Lord's telling you to do because that's the best for you and the person you're with. Infatuated with one another? Sure. Mm -hmm. You love what somebody does for you? Sure. 
But really, if you, if you really love someone, you're going to do what God wants you to do so you could be at your best for them and you're not going to hurt them by doing something he doesn't want you to do. And I know it's accepted, but you know what? It's, it's, it's widely accepted to not believe in Jesus, too. I mean, it's claim that he's Lord. Just because the whole majority is going that direction doesn't mean they're going the right direction. Jesus said broad is the way to destruction. Many people go down that road. Narrow is the way to life. Few there be that find it. And then, you know, I like what Brother Keith said. He goes, people say, well, I just think you're narrow-minded. Yeah, narrow-minded and saved. <laughs> Praise God. Delivered, happy, full of joy. Going to make it. Amen. So everything that's bright is not right. Everything that feels good is not good. Everything that seems good is not good. You know in the book of Proverbs 14, 12, you know what it says? You want to turn there for, with me? Let's why don't we turn there. It's a Bible study tonight. Proverbs 14, 12. You have to watch out about what you feel is right or what you think is right. You, the only way you're going to know what's right is that book right there because your feelings are going to be up, they're going to be down, they're going to be here, they're going to be there. The only way you're going to know what's right is this book right here. And I don't, I don't, if you're ever debating with somebody about, you know, homosexuality or fornication or, or certain things, the Bible talks about that, never, never make it about what you believe. Make it about what the Word says. Right. Don't, don't look at me, I didn't write it. You know, I've seen ministers on TV, you know, on Larry King and other programs like that, and they were asked like these million dollar questions, so what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Can gay people be saved? What about, it's like, and, and they would try to kind of mentally, uh, all you got to do is say, listen, I don't have anything to think about it. The Bible right here says this, says thus, says thus, thus and thus and thus. I believe the Bible. So you're asking me, what do I believe about it? Well, I just, I believe what God said about it. All right? I don't have a personal belief. I don't have a, hey, I think, no, I, just put, let make it always make debates about the word, not what you think or believe. That's good. Always make your debates about the word. So then if they want to punch somebody, they have to punch the Bible. <laughs> right? I just choose to believe the Bible. I'm not going to enforce it. That's God's choice. I, I, you know, that's what, that's his, I, I, I'm just a delivery boy. This is what I believe. So what do you think, preacher, about abortion? What do you think about uh, uh, gay lifestyles? What do you think? I don't have anything to think about it. I think what the Bible says, and I believe what the Bible says, but I didn't write it. This is what God said. I choose to believe it. Not going to condemn anybody for anything. Not going to condone it necessarily either. But hey, this is what God says. Say, so, well, what if the biggest givers leave the church? Well... That's impossible, because God's the biggest giver. <laughs> and if you're doing what He tells you to do, right, you're going to be a-okay. So, He has transformed Himself into an angel of light. So now turn with me to James 4. Can you, can you understand this, that feelings are not supposed to be our Lord? But pastor, it just feels so right. But if it's against Scripture, it ain't right. How many people are going to be in hell who felt like they didn't need to be born again? Felt like, I don't need that Jesus stuff. How many people aren't going to make it to heaven because they're going by what they feel? One of the greatest attacks of the devil is to make people feel A-OK -okay without Jesus. I know that sounds weird, 
an attack of feeling okay? It's weird, but it's, it's, it's true. You know what I pray a lot of times for people I know that aren't saved? I know this may sound a little strange, but if I know somebody's not saved and they feel fine in their unsaved condition, you know what my prayer is for them? God, help them to realize they are not okay. Give them a heavy revy that they are not okay. Open their eyes. It may be very uncomfortable. It may freak them out, but it beats ending up in hell. I don't, you know, that's kind of a DEFCON 3 prayer, you know what I mean? <laughs> like drastic measures. Um, but sometimes you just got to say, Lord, because if somebody's completely satisfied, 100% happy without Jesus, they are in huge warfare and they don't even know it. It's kind of like what we were talking about with, with Kurt and Elizabeth about um, a lot of people are not interested in the good news because they don't know the bad news. I mean, they don't know the bad news. Why are they going to be interested in the good news? Well, what's the bad news? In Adam all die, and if you leave this earth without Jesus, you're going to a devil's hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels, but you're going to end up there too if you don't get off the road Adam put you on. Sometimes you've got to... I, I always remember, Carla, we were reading some things about old, um, the old timers, the Pentecostal movement in the 1800s, 1700s, 1800s. There was times the men of God would preach so strong that people held on to the pillars before they fell to the ground because the conviction was so strong concerning sin and repentance and getting right with God. I mean, grown men would just shake and fall on the ground when the preacher was firing away under the anointing like Jeremiah or something. Sometimes I think we need meetings like that where we get back to the, the core of Christianity and do we really want sinners to feel comfortable in our church? How, how, about, how about no? How, we want them to feel their need for God in the church. Then when they get saved, they should feel the comfort of the comforter. But, I mean, this is warfare. The devil knows if I can... Did you know that sometimes the devil will relieve his oppressive attacks against you if you're on the road he wants you on? Now, he won't relieve it forever. He eventually will just want to, want to just, you know, snuff you out. But if he sees you're on a road that the devil's pleased with, why would he want to mess with you? We've got to watch out about judging our spirituality by how wonderful we feel. The Bible says, the Bible says all that live godly in Christ are going to suffer persecution. The Bible says if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. Right? The Bible says you're not only called to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but to suffer for his sake. Philippians 1.29. I mean, what about all those scriptures that talk about he that suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin? I mean... I'm a little leery about somebody saying they're always happy and everything's always wonderful and hey, no problems. It's like, really? <laughs> You're not resisting anything? No, everything's great. Well, you must be a zero threat to the enemy because that's, that's amazing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you read through the New Testament, suffering was a totally a part of, of a believer's life. Not disease, not sickness, not, not those things, but resisting sin, being persecuted, Walking in love when you feel like shooting somebody? I mean, holding back instead of giving in? I mean, if you're really doing this Christianity thing right, there's some loved ones, there's some family members that are probably going to hate you. 
If you really do this Christianity thing right, there are some people out there in society, they are going to think you are crazy and they are going to persecute you. If you really do the Christianity thing right. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But we shouldn't care about that. You know, anything, anything in this life that you hurt for Jesus for will be eternal rewards. That's why the disciples were so happy to suffer for the Lord because they knew it was coming. James 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, Submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right? You guys see that there? How about we just put in the words angel of light instead of devil? Submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the angel of light. Who wants to resist an angel of light? Who wants to resist a feeling of brightness? Who wants to resist uh, a wonderful peace? Who wants to resist uh, happiness? If that happiness and that peace and that atmosphere of brightness is promoting something directly opposite of that word, resist it. Hmm. That's something to think about right there. It's got to come back. Do you know there are some people right now feeling totally okay about not, but not, about not going to church? Ever. Totally at peace about it. What should they do? They need to get, they need to get their, book, their, their eyes in the book and say, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The Bible says you've got to supply. I mean, what, what if you feel 100% right about leaving a marriage? No, no scriptural reason for divorce. Just, just, I just feel so right about leaving my spouse and going with this other person. What should you do? What if the atmosphere is bright? What if the atmosphere is like, oh man, this is wonderful. What if you hear a little voice saying, God loves you. He wants you happy. What should you do? You just say, hey, imitator of God, you foul angel of light, trying to get me to be selfish and, and freak out and flake out here. I resist you in Jesus' name. Go from me. Come on, what, what if something feels amazing, but the Bible says it's an abomination? What should you do? Go with your feelings, what's in the atmosphere at the time, or with what God said? You want to go with what God said. My, my, my. So, submit yourself uh, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. First uh, Peter 5. Just turn a little bit to the right. First Peter 5. Whether you realize it or not, tonight we're messing up the devil's plans. First Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Aren't you glad he can't just devour you? He has to look for openings. If he don't see no opening, he can't do anything. Whom resist? There it is again. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, he'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, 
You know, the, the enemy has to come against people in such a way where his attack is not obvious. I mean, who's going to say, hey, devil, come on in. Yeah, let's do that, if you knew it was the devil. <laughs> right? Um, if you go for a period of time and you find yourself not resisting anything, then the devil is getting away with some things that you're not aware of. If you go a period of time, and you're, uh, for a period of time, not resisting anything, then the enemy's getting away with some stuff in your life that you're not aware of. Sometimes it's good just to, to, to kick back and go, huh, what's the devil doing right now? I mean, that's a good question. What's he doing right now? Because sometimes you go through a day, a week, a month, or whatever, and it's like, you just don't, you just don't think anything's wrong, nothing wrong. You know, nothing, everything, everything, everything is God. Everything is God. Everything, everything that I'm hearing and everything that I'm sensing is God. Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. So, Everything seeming all right doesn't mean everything is all right. So I guess Proverbs 14, 12. Did you ever put that up there? Proverbs 14, 12 on the screen. I mentioned it earlier, but we didn't go to it because I forgot. So Proverbs 14, 12, as they put it up on the screen, I believe it says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So... You've got to have more than seems right. You've got to make sure that seems right is in line with Scripture. Hmm? There is a way that seems right. What, what, what's he talking about? Well, the atmosphere just seems to be pointing in that direction. You know, the, it, just, it just it seems right. But is it right? This is where people mess up their lives. Just because it feels right, just because it's bright, just because it's beautiful, just because it seems right, just because there's wisdom involved, does not mean you should go into it. Does not mean you should yield to it. You're going to have to resist some things you really like at times. Your flesh likes. You're just going to have to do it. You're going to have to resist some things that are conducive with a peaceful atmosphere. You know, there's a false for every good thing. There's a fake love, right? Unfeigned love of the brethren. That means not fake, so there must be a fake. The Bible talks about unfeigned faith, so there must be a fake faith. The Bible talks about the peace of God, then the Bible talks about the peace of the world. The peace I give you, the world, not the peace that the world can give you, but Jesus, I'm giving you a heavenly peace. There's, like, there's a counterfeit for your real joy. And a lot of times, it's so close to the real that people don't know the difference. But here, here's the easiest way to tell a difference. If there's an atmosphere of joy about going a certain direction, I mean, it's the atmosphere. It's like, wow, this is, seems cool. This feels right. This is, this is awesome. And the atmosphere is saying, yeah, if you go this way, that atmosphere goes with this way. And you go, wait a minute, but that way is opposite of the way God said go. That way is different than what the scripture says. What should you do? 
resist that wonderful feeling and atmosphere and go God's way. This is, we're, we're talking about some things you don't hear a lot in the church. This is, this is pulling back some covers here. This is seeing beyond what we've been seeing. This is end time teaching. So listen to this. Sometimes everything feeling right is dangerous. I'm not sure we should judge our spirituality by you know, just great days every day. <laughs> no opposition. No resisting necessary. No effort against sin. Just, everything's just great, man. Just, everything's just wonderful. Read the book of Acts, man. You're in some other world. <laughs> Amen. I mean, we need, to, we need to do some more teaching on suffering. We need to understand suffering. Because there is some suffering in the Christian life. No, it's not sickness. No, it's not disease. No, it's not oppression. No, it's not depression. Christ suffered for us in those areas. But he also suffered as our example. As well as our substitute, he suffered as our example. And we do follow him in the example area. Right? It, it hurts to say no to sin. It hurts to stay put when you feel like going somewhere else. It hurts to go, it hurts to go somewhere else when you want to stay put. It hurts to make changes. It hurts to stay the same. It hurts at times uh, to, to love unlovely people, to turn the cheek. Or, I mean, th these are love suffers long, right? I mean, these are words that describe a healthy Christian life. Suffering in the will of God. Suffering Unto perfection. Jesus per was perfected by the things he suffered. And we just read in Peter there, after you suffered a while, you'll become perfect. He'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You don't grow up just because you learn a bunch of stuff. And you don't grow up by process of time. You grow up by enduring things you didn't used to endure. Spiritual growth has more to do with enduring hard times than just, you know, time passing. So, before we close, let me say this. The devil attacks you in such a way where you don't know you're being attacked. The more we're in the Word, the more we hear sermons, the more we hear, you know, good messages from the Lord, the more aware we're going to be of these behind-the-scenes things he's been doing because we're going to be more acutely aware of some spiritual ways he operates. And we're going to, wait a second, wait, 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 wait a second. Man, that way looks amazing. I feel so much better walking that direction. I feel so much more peaceful. I feel like I'm coming alive. I feel so much more real going this direction. But friend, if it is not the direction of the Bible, you need to resist it. But no, but that's why I want to feel wonderful. I want to have all these wonderful feelings and peace and contentment and all this. If it's promoting a way you know is going against Scripture, resist it. Because God's got something a thousand times better anyway. There's suffering involved in saying no to some of this stuff. But guys, if we would realize how short this life is, how short this life is. What's a few more clicks of suffering? You know, what's a few more clicks of not getting our own way? I mean, let me, let me tell you, Romans 8.18. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. <sighs> All right, so think about this. The devil is an expert at making you think. The devil is an expert at making you think that you thought the thoughts he injected your way. He's an expert at injecting thoughts and to convince you you thought them. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 